Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stuck. And, and this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, we are going to watch a movie. Woohoo! It's not like quite like the silhouette with the popcorn. You know that old show? I never actually... You know what I'm talking about, though. Where these Roger like, and Ebert? No, it's like these cartoon or these like animated characters, stuffed animals, or you know what I mean, like Henson type things that... I'm very tired today, just to say, that watch a movie... And then you see their silhouettes, and then they talk about History it. History Science Theater 3000? Like maybe. Anyway, we're going to watch a movie, but you don't have to, like, listen to it with us. We're going to talk. We're, we're now in the oh, before. Oh, but you do know this will be in the show notes. <laughs> Here's the before, and then we're going to watch it, and it's a very specific movie, which is to say it is Angie's movie, and then we're going to talk afterwards about how it was to watch this latest iteration. So let's talk for well. Let's talk about what we're working on, and I'll start, <laughs> and then we'll go to you. And then we'll talk about how this feels, because I can. This feel, part right now <laughs> feels so good. Yes. Um. So I, Elizabeth, am working on my revision, and um, I am kind of in this funny place where I'm combing through, combing through, making changes, moving things around, and I'm trying to decide like when do I print it out. When do I print it out? Like, how, when is going, reading it through hard copy page by page and making those edits, like, when is the moment to do that? And when do I kind of stand back and muck around with the big stuff and then zoom in? And I don't know. So it's, it's a weird thing that I've just kind of latched onto about when do I print it out. Yeah, no, you definitely have latched onto some thing about printing it out. And I haven't sort of read it all the way through since I got all these notes. Right. So I've had my hands all over it, but I haven't just sat down and read it all the way through. And at some point, that's going to have a pretty profound impact, I think, on how each of the changes kind of gets, gets sort of smoothed into the whole. But it seemed like part of it was about the money, like the cost of printing it out. <laughs> and so I, was, I just felt like you were pretty sure you wanted to do this a while ago, but you're... Not wanting to spend a lot of money if you're going to print it out again. Well, I will confess that, um, and I think this was around when I started sending it, you know, when I started my recent successful agent search, <laughs> um, I printed it out thinking somewhere in there that I would read it and and then I really didn't want to or I, I wanted to make changes. I don't know. There was a moment where I printed it out and it, and it was wrong and I ended up making changes on the computer and then not wanting the kind of erroneous hard copy so that's part of it, is that I, I want to make sure I'm, you know, not... Because when I go into the computer and I make changes, I'm making a lot of big changes fast. Mm -hmm. And so I think probably there's just a few more days of that work to do before it's the most productive time to print it out. But yes, it's expensive to print it out, and that does factor into my decision. You know, for me, it's so hard sometimes when you're looking at the thing you're working on absent of context. And I feel like a lot of times that's one of the big challenges of working electronically. Even in something like Scrivener, and you can see the scenes around it. And, you know, you've done this so many times at this point that it's probably more intuitive. You know, so when you see the descriptor of that scene that's above and below this scene, you know, you probably have some information. But I feel like reading just as that context that working in small sections, for me, I can come up with a great solution, but it's so challenging to know whether or not it's appropriate without having the context. 
So that's why I'm advocating that you it's, print it. It's so interesting. And then I'm like, is this reverse psychology? Because sometimes you do reverse psychology. But I think I really do want to print it. Because as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, but is this reverse psychology? You know, are you no. saying that so I don't? No, I feel, <laughs> I feel I like right insane. now, and I don't want to jinx this. I'm a knock on wood, so I'm a little insane too. It's <laughs> good. Um, We're artists. At this particular juncture, we could afford for you to print it out not once but maybe up to twice. Woohoo! And so I and just to clarify, like I've printed that probably five times or so far. But yes, I get what you're saying. It's a good idea. All right, more. We'll follow up with this fascinating topic. But to I, print or not to print? It felt related to me in some interesting way to where you are, where you have a, a hard copy, so mm-hmm. to speak, of your film um, that somebody's edited, and and you've had to do a lot of sort of technical work just getting it. Ready to well, roll. my, you know, working on the laptop, it was definitely struggling to manage a project of that size. So the laptop is now in the shop. And the laptop is now in the shop. So it was a lot of work to get it rendered and resyncing and doing all of that. And so, um, you know, with all of the stuff that it took to actually just manifest the amazing work that somebody else did, you know, um, and to sit down with it, it just took a long time to get there. It's sort of funny because we're, you know, we're sort of we're talking about story and images and words and all the different pieces of our crafts. And then there's just like logistics, right? Like paper, like computers. It's just, and I guess, you know, if you're doing paint, then it's paint and turbinine or whatever. Well, and I also think that when you're a different budget level, it's a different thing, right? So we're by no means in a, you know, starving artist position, but we're not in a position where we can drop 25k to have somebody else do all this work for us right. and um, to have our assistant just go print this out. And, yeah, right. So you know, as we march through post production, um, that's going to be always one of the challenges. How can I address the limitations of the technology that I'm using? Um, and make maybe better decisions because the truth is our editor would have rendered it out for me but I thought oh I can just do this on my laptop and my laptop was like you know no you can't and then I had I felt kind of dumb (laughs) because I had said oh I can totally do this so So let's talk about how it feels before because we're gonna this is our show today the before and the after Mm-hmm. So here you are. You've probably gotten little glimpses. Not entirely before. So we're not making... This is a polish edit. Right. Right? Okay. So, so it's not like you're just seeing it for the first time. It's not your rough cut or something. Right. But there's definitely something to see in uh, the timing. The sort of how she has dealt with the timing and distributed information. Um, so... This is much more of a polish edit. It's than also a been a while since you've seen yes, it. Yes, so, it's right. been a while since I've seen it. And I'm actually trying to use, you know, just make up some hard external deadlines for myself to get the picture locked because I think it's been a year and four months since that you shot it. Since we shot it, which isn't outrageous, but it really is time to get into completion mode. And so. Sorry, that made me want to burst into song. But. Um, so I, again, trying to use some upcoming deadlines really as a framework to, you know, if, if I had all the time in the world, I definitely 
could sit and, and look at sort of some of the micro shifts and different pieces and really picture lock I need to get to soon so that we can move on to color and we can move on to sound. Here so. is to deadlines. I mean, I think yes. that, and it's, it's, I'm sort of thinking of okay, there's the technology and kind of the materials of each of these crafts. And then there's uh, the art, you know, the ideas and the inspiration. And then there's the, the kind of logistics. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and I think deadlines are sort of where it all comes together because you, you, you can kind of still be tangling with your ideas and your images and stuff, but only so far as you hit your hard stop. Right. And that's, and so de deadlines are just a huge So I'm trying lesson. to careen into that. Careen into your deadline. And but, on, you know, but honestly, it's going to be uncomfortable. And I know that because the truth is, uh, even though I know how much has been improved and how much work has gone into it and how, you know, e I could see when I was rendering that certain shots that I had really hoped we could find were there. Mm. I still know that I could spend a good amount of time really wrestling with these different pieces. And it's sort of about prioritizing. Is it, you know, good enough is better than perfect. So. Yes. And, and right. Getting, getting to done as opposed to in that asymptotic always yes. approaching. And that's this big question is like, how do you know when something's done? And, and one of the ways is you reach your deadline. Yes. So we're going to talk after the screening, which is just you and me watching it. Um, about kind of what now and how what and did it feel different than you thought it would and and um and what's what's it like to kind of um accept certain constraints and and move forward you know i'm a fan of constraint Woohoo! see you in a couple hours and now we're back we have just watched with only a few interruptions for children baking spilling dogs running through the mess but anyway <laughs> in our otherwise focused way, we have gotten to watch this latest iteration of your movie. Yes. How do you feel? I feel so excited. I feel so excited and grateful. And, um, you know, the notes that I have are not like this doesn't make sense or I don't understand why this is happening or um, there's one place where I wonder if people will know where, what's happening, right? But for the most part, it's a much more streamlined than it was. And it was something that I couldn't see how to get to on my own, for sure. Yeah. So it was also educational to see, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, uh, without being able to articulate what you're trying to do, it's incredibly hard to get other people to do that. Um, and so I feel like Jean really understood what I was trying to do and really took sort of the bones of what I had... <laughs> put together and helped make it into something that um, just is that next step up, right? Mm -hmm. So it was already, you know, I think I was really happy with it before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I think well, at I mean, the same time. you've had two great editors, and you also yes. do some editorial work, but it's interesting to see when people, you know, really have honed that skill set, they just know how to do certain things, and they've both been able to do And taking some risks on shots. So really noticing that there were shots that, um, made so much sense mm -hmm. in the scene that I had seen 400 times. And so I really do feel like I recognized when the shots were different and when they had been, uh, you know, put together in a way um, that was different than that I, that I could have articulated. Mm. 
And it made me wonder, moving forward, like in your future directing and, and maybe in your screenwriting too, if this whole experience would lead you to like collect different footage to approach shooting and, and, and even screenwriting in a different way. Are there any kind of... Well, I think there are a couple things that are coming through to me. I mean, it's really funny. So you read all these... I'm a gearhead, right? And I love reading about cameras. I love my cameras. I love the things that I have. The things that I would do differently that are probably most significant or would be one, slow down, right? <laughs> have more time. Have more time. Worth more money than anything. Um, you know, or even just thinking about the project in a different way. And I, I don't regret saying, if I don't do it now, I'm not going to get it done because I don't think it would have happened. Yeah. And so I think that was totally the right choice. I think there's ways in which um, I can organize my time differently in, in terms of projects of this size so that I can make it easier for people to participate. But honestly, the number one thing I might do looking at some of this is looking at cameras that have a broader dynamic range. Interesting. Um, Meaning more expensive for one yeah of course i knew it had to mean uh, that but what it really means is as i was looking through the things that sort of pulled me out of the story there were certain shots that had so much grain and it was because in order to really see what was happening i had to push the exposure up right and so you you get into you know we call it grain which it isn't it's it's noise mm -hmm. coming from the processor and sort of the limit of what it can do. And a high dynamic range would allow you to have more information between the brightest spots and the darkest spots. So that when you have something that does well in the light but has also a broader dynamic range, then you can do some of this kind of natural shooting in a different way. For the most part, I think it's phenomenal. It's amazing what you for, for what's, well, I, what like your crew did. Yes. Like you all did. Yes. yes. Including me. <laughs> yes. So, you know, kudos to Ben and Sean for making a fantastic... Yeah. Um, and Morgan and and, and um, Pam and Izumi and, I mean, all those people. Right. Well, that's the sound section right now. Moving I'm just on talking sound, about the, you know, the the, we asked our cinematographers to and, and that whole department to really push what they were doing we moved so quickly and so um you know so it was really great to see how well that camera held up and how well since sean especially knew how to use that particular tool we shot mm -hmm. on the gh4 um how well it came out generally speaking right so um right. but you know yeah, as yeah. you know, fantasies move on in those other pieces i think that that's one of those things um cool so uh, so, so you were, when we were talking right before about how you were, you were like a little bit, maybe a little bit nervous, anticipating mm -hmm. watching it. So did it, what surprised you about watching it? Anything? There were definitely things that surprised me. Um, certain choices that were made, um, you know, one of the shots that I love in the bar scene is Ellen and Bailey, um, Janet and Ricky, um, kind of on either side of a blurred out bar tap. So it's like a wall between them. 
And I had, I had only figured out how to use that shot once. And, um, you know, and, and she was able to introduce that earlier. Oh. So I was really aware that it was there because it was something that I was really excited about. And um, so that was just great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we picked, we approached Jean, right, because we really felt she was someone who, uh, whose work we respected, but also that I felt got my humor. Right, she was, was a writer, which we also know her as. She's such a wonderfully funny writer. Right. And so right. we've got, like, the sense of humor is definitely... Yes. So, like, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, there's a couple of setups and payoffs that I think I want to, you know, sh- smidge a little bit more, but I feel like we are closing in on picture lock in a way that I think I couldn't have seen before. Yeah. So. so, congratulations. That's really exciting. Thank you. Um, any generalizable, last question for this, any generalizable advice for our filmmakers and writers out there about, you know, kind of at this, you're at this moment, anything you can see that people might take away? Uh, I would say take advice from Hannah, remember her last name, the comedian who just did Nanette, right? Oh, right. About Van Gogh. And (laughs) do see Nanette, right? Like that's the first first piece of advice. But also networking, right? So the fact that you know, it's something that I struggle with because it's not, nobody has, well, not maybe not nobody, but I myself have a very difficult time thinking about, you know, the idea of networking because very often it sounds like I'm only making friends with people so that mm. when I have a project that um, I can tap on them, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But really... The sheer joy of knowing that other people who see the world, maybe not exactly like you do, but you're not so crazy that <laughs> it's impossible to understand what you're getting to, that is a hugely uh, satisfying experience. And um, and to call on the people who are, who are going to get you, right? Like that's, yes. you know, to know that, and that's who you're kind of working for and with, ideally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So... And, you know, I'm excited to move forward. I'm excited to look at what comes out of color and what comes out of sound. Those are going to be the two next big iterations and how they impact. And so I'm so excited to see how Gene's great visual work will now be uh, even further uh, reinforced by the building of a sonic world. Awesome. And it is Hannah Gadsby. Yes. Who did Nana, which will be in the show notes. So um, we are to our steal this okay. moment. Um, so got anything? Um, you know, lately I, you know, we saw, I was definitely like almost 90% of the world impacted by watching Nana for sure. Um, one thing that was surprising to me though was in some ways it, it didn't feel groundbreaking so much as it felt familiar. Where, and I think... Because most people aren't in your head. <laughs> well, not just that, but that... Um, I, you know, she does call it a task, like the feedback loop that, you know, certain communities like to give back to their community. Um, but the analyses, right, aren't actually that radical. Mm. 
for people who are in the margins. So when you're watching this with people who are not, there is something revelatory for them that is actually um, your life. But reinforcing as well, like, okay, like you don't 100% get what's going on here, but, um, so, so anyway, I think that's been... It's really interesting to, to, because who is she speaking to? And in a way, here's why I think it really works. Why it works for, for you, for me, and for somebody for, who's like, oh, right? I, I never thought about that before. It was the art history degree. It was that, no. But it was also because she was so, she was, she wanted to get past the limits of comedy and tell her story, right? Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I won't spoil it, but there were like, more, there was more than one like major turning point, right? I mean, there was the turning point from sort of comedy to Multiple times. Right. And it was right. well designed. So brilliantly, like, the, the beats of that. Well, also just the, the use of tension and then the meta-acknowledgement of tension and where she takes that. Yeah, from... but, but where she finally goes in the end, mm -hmm. which I won't say, but I think that, just that was revelatory, actually. Yes. No, it was absolutely brilliant, but in terms of content, it's, right. it's interesting for people to be like, oh... Um, but in terms of steel, this, I think one thing is the courage that it takes for someone to stand up and, you know, say the complete truth. I think comedy can actually really hit some of those painful truths. For me, the reason I'm attracted to comedy is because I do think it speaks to those things. I think you can get to the darker truths through humor. Yes. Um, clearly. <laughs> but um, from Steal This, it's the courage to stand up and really go. I mean, like, she was gutsy. Like, the way she went, where she went, was phenomenal. And uh, I think it's hard to have that kind of courage. And so... What I'm going to steal is Hannah Gatsby's courage. I love it. Well, um, I just finished reading The Hate You Give, which is a young adult novel. Um, and one of the things I want to say is because it's a young adult novel about, um, you know, the police shooting young African-American kids, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not a lighthearted topic, but... I, but I actually want to say, and this sort of speaks to the Nanette piece about kind of form and content and what you're doing. And so it's also a YA book. And I, you know, I don't read YA all the time at this point. I'm reading a lot of middle grade. Um, but anyway, it had, but it, so it reminded me of the YA I read as a, as a YA. And it was, you know, and, that, and there's this real pleasure in just going into another character's life and world and, and family, right? And, and the kind of the dynamic of watching all of that. And I think for me, especially because my family was so like fragmented and kind of insane that it, that was actually always a pleasure of reading for me. And so even though this is a family that is struggling in, in certain ways and under threat in certain ways and all of that, it's also this kind of wonderful, loving family. And so I just really remembered the pleasure of that. And, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't exactly know. I mean, it does, as you know, because you've been part of it, does these brilliant things with, with voice mm -hmm. and register and register shifting. 
um, that I think coding. Yeah, and I think that it's it does a really great job with that. So I definitely I know I will use that you know in teaching, and I will also uh, you know as I always do use all the things I teach in my own writing. So that's one piece. Um, but you know, in some ways, like uh, when we talked about it in our book group, it has it follows certain conventions, or it has it has it hits the expectations of plot very specifically. But I think there's a real pleasure in that, and I think if you're going to take a mass audience through a, a deeply traumatic experience that is so germane to this cultural moment, mm. and you're going to take an audience that is diverse in where it stands in relationship to those events. Um, then hitting those points, you know, giving us those story structures to kind of go through is, um, I think, worked. I think it worked. And actually, one thing I really loved about that book, and, you know, might steal, uh, <laughs> is that it used things that you and I don't actually have references to. So you would say, hey, what does this mean? Like mm -hmm. some phrase mm -hmm. or whatever. And this isn't, a, this isn't geared to middle-aged people. This is not a book for you oldies. <laughs> the language we use reflects the world that we're inhabiting. And we make no apologies for that. Yeah. And I think that that's such a wonderful thing as well because even if we don't know the vocabulary right. yeah. of, of a particular thing, um, you know, of a saying or a phrase that she uses with her friends, it, it adds that level of authenticity. And um, Well, and I always say to my students, as human beings, we are so good at being dropped into a context and picking up with the cues and the clues. Like we learn language, we learn, you know, body language. We, we can, we can read moments. And so you don't have, that's why you don't have to kind of have the characters explaining things to the reader via each other and all of that, because we we're good at getting dropped into worlds that are unfamiliar and we want to. Right. And when we read bless us, it's because we're willing to go bless us, bless us. <laughs> well, for reading, you know, yes. Is it a dying art? I don't think so. I Writing have... kind of might be, though. I oh, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> but and that's I don't mean, another podcast. I mean handwriting. Oh, handwriting—that might be so. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so let's see. Tober Camp, which is about scene making a scene. Okay. The all important. I mean, the central thing making a I scene. I thought it was sentences. You had to love sentences. You do have to love sentences and character, but this one is scene. All right. Um, so come to that by going to SonomaCountyWritersCamp.com and on the top horizon menu it, on the far right it says free class. Click on that and you'll be able to sign up for it. Mm -hmm. so, so that's that. And we'll have some other free classes coming up for Book in a Year which we will announce in the next podcast. And until then, write your tushies off. Which is our new tagline. We spent hours in a <laughs> we marketing tested that group and write your tushies off was the clear winner. <laughs>